far as the lesson this evening, I, I want to talk about some, not, not what Shannon talked about this morning, but very much akin to that, and that is redeeming our time. And people may ask, well, what does that mean? And if you read different things, it means to use it wisely or to add value to it. So what I want to talk about tonight is how is it that we do that? What are we doing instead of that? And I want all of us to examine our lives and our, what our intents are and how we're living our lives to see if we really are adding value to the time that we have. And I'll be the first to admit that there are times when I have not done that. And we can all probably say the same thing. But two of the verses I want to read, I'm going to take a, a passage from Shannon's lesson when it really tie things together. If you would go over to Luke chapter 12, this was added a little bit after he was finished this morning. Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. Luke 12 and verse 35. And it's pretty simple. It says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for the master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. And that takes intent and purpose and using our time for what it should be used for. And if you would go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 12. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 12. It says, For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. So when you think about those things, that you know, it's talking about being prepared, and, and that, that's part of this concept of adding value to our time. And I think about some of the ways I've heard people spend their time. A lot of people spend their time wishing they could go back in time. Well, I wish I could go back to a better time. Or I wish I could go back to my childhood. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, I had what I would consider pretty good childhood. I did. I grew up in the middle of 80 acres. and That was part of another nearly 300 acres used to be one farm. I didn't have to worry about bad neighbors. We didn't have any closest neighbors half a mile away. And I was thinking about this lesson and what I used to do as a kid. Me and my brother would go down in the woods and we had these talk of trucks and all these vehicles and we'd make roads and we'd take big rocks and take moss and make yards and all. We had a pretty good system going. Or we'd go down the creek. We had these big ravines. We'd ride our, you know, our Tonka dump trucks down the bank end of the creek. And we, we just had a good time. But you know what? I wouldn't go back to that if it meant forgetting one thing I've learned since I've become a Christian. I wouldn't go back. I want to go back to what I was. But a lot of people spend time, oh, I wish I could go back. They're not really using their time very wisely. Or some people, I told you about that woman used to be a neighbor to the other day. It's all she wants, she spends all of her time sitting around begging Jesus to come right now because she's living in pain because she lost a, a husband and a son in a car wreck and she spends all of her time doing nothing but wishing Jesus would come right now. And that's not what God wants us doing with our time. It's not the way he wants us spending our time. And so we're going to talk about some things. Maybe it'll help. Uh, hopefully it helps a little bit. Uh, this, this lesson, the verse, if you would go over to Ephesians chapter 15. 
And this, uh, my son has gone, has gone to take in this Ephesians book, calling it the walking book. Because several times in the book of Ephesians, he talks about walking. He talks about it in chapter 2. He talks about it in chapter 4. He actually, the word walk actually comes up three times in chapter 5. And so this has become the walking book, so we remember what it's about. Okay? But if you would go to verse 16, this is where the lesson... I'll best start reading in verse 15. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. And some of your versions will say, redeeming the time. Now, it was interesting. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But there's the chapter, if you read it in connection to that verse, it's filled with a whole big list of things that we cannot do if we do not redeem our time. I'll read you a list, just to, but you can go back and look at it and see if this is so. Here are some things the chapter talks about that we should be willing or able to do. Walk in love. If we, don't, we couldn't do that, we could not have an inheritance. We cannot be undeceived. We could not walk as children of light. We could not know what pleases God. We could not expose darkness. We could not have Christ shine on us. We cannot watch how we walk. We cannot be filled with the Spirit. We cannot give proper thanks. We cannot submit to one another properly. And we cannot have the right family circumstances if we do not redeem our time. That's just what Ephesians... And I've got... That's 12 items. If you split it up there, you can have more than that. That's just what Ephesians chapter 5 talks about around that verse about redeeming our time. A lot of things there we need to think about. So, how do we redeem our time? How do we keep from making our time not have value? So, the first thing I thought of, there are three things we'll talk about, and I promise you, I'm going to get a computer that, I, that is reliable when I start doing a PowerPoint, because I know that helps people with small children and help people keep track. But I've got a Chromebook at school that is very limited and doesn't all, it's not always compatible and it doesn't always show up like it's supposed to so I will fix that but here are the three points I want to talk I want to talk about immersing yourself in the Lord a lot of what Shannon talked about this morning the second point is going to be if we do that that we're going to build our faith and what our faith should do for us and if we do those two things then we're going to get closer to God if we're doing those things properly so those are the three points I want to make. So the first thing is immerse yourself in the Lord. But, but kind of an intro to that idea, I want you to go over to Romans chapter 2. We talked about this verse a little bit Saturday, but I didn't want to talk about it too much because then it would take away from my thunder this evening. Well, not really. It's still just as applicable. If you would go over to Romans chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. I'm going to read 5 through 11. It said, Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of, of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who uh, by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. 
but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Now I want to ask you, when we store things up, and I, as I, I've mentioned this before, I'm trying to get my garages and shed stuff cleaned up. I've got a lot of stuff stored up. But I'm not going to purposely store anything that's going to do damage to me or my family. That would be an unwise investment. But this verse, in verse 5, says, Because you, because of your hard heart, hard and penitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. See, if we don't use our time wisely, we're actually purposely storing up wrath that God can use against us when the day of judgment comes. See, that makes no sense to me whatsoever, but we do it to ourselves. We do it to ourselves. I, and I've said this before, I, I have hurt my, and not on purpose, I would never let anybody do some of the things I've done to myself by accident. You know, I was hooking up a bush hog one time and the PTO shaft slipped and this finger is quite a bit wider than the other finger on, on, on the other hand because my thumb or my finger got caught on the top of the bush hog and the PTO shaft slammed down on my finger with all of my weight on it pushing as hard as I could to get that thing on that PTO shaft. Would I ever, on purpose, go to Dell and say, Dell, can you please take a piece of steel and just slam my finger for the fun of it? No. Because that, I can't use that word. That would be really ignorant. And you know what word I can't use. But we're doing that with our spiritual lives if we are not using our time like we're supposed to use our time. So let's look at a couple verses here. So first of all, what I want to ask is, where do you find your refuge or your peace or your solace? Kind of, I know when I get off work, here's what I used to do until I got on the scale after Christmas. At the end of the work day, I would go across the road to the, to the little gas station. I would get me a, a king-size payday and a drink to drink on the way home just to chill before I got home. That was peaceful for me. Well, not healthy, however. Okay, some of the things we think are peaceful are not healthy. So let's talk about some things. I don't know, let's say um, we're going to get home and we just want to kind of chill, so we're going to numb our minds a little while with some candy crush. Uh, my boss used to talk about that. The director of the special ed department said that she had to finally just stop playing because she would find herself in the office playing Candy Crush all the time because, you know, you work a while and you win something that makes you feel good and you want to get some more. And so, is that where you find your rest? And your is that how you find rest? Or what about maybe, I don't know, let's just go to Facebook and surf around a while and see what's going on in people's lives. Just, just get my mind off of work. I just want to get on there. And Is there anything wrong with Candy Crush? No. Anything wrong with Facebook? No. Uh, by the way, some of, well, some of the things are a little more evil than that. Some things are kind of neutral. But, you know, when you get into watching pornography, there's nothing neutral about that or any of, the, any of those kind of things. If you, that's what you're using your time for, you need to stop that now. I don't care what the re reason is. But if you're you on a computer or reading romance novels or even Harry Potter or whatever it is you like to read, and that's all you do to get released from the world? 
that's not getting you anything that you need. We need to find our rest and our peace in God's Word. We need to get excited like Shannon was talking about this morning, about being fired up. When we have a chance to read his book, that's where we need to spend our time. We need to be listening to it. And, and I've got a, I don't have a 45-minute drive. I've got a 35-minute drive. So I can listen to different people talk about the Bible. I can, read, you know, I can listen to the Bible on the way to work. And I, I listen to music. I don't, I don't turn the radio on. I don't know that uh, the only reason the power button comes on is I've got that um, Bluetooth thing. I can turn my phone on and listen to some music or whatever I want to through my phone in my truck. My radio hardly ever comes on. Because that's time I can use that I can teach myself and enable myself to teach other people. But I do. And there are days that I don't share. There are days I don't do that. Because I'm just tired. I don't want to. I'm not redeeming my time very well when I do that. Let's look at in terms of immersing yourself in God's Word, we need to be able to delight ourselves. See, we, well, sometimes we kind of look at studying God's Word as something that we have to kind of have to do. To be pleasing to God when it ought to be something that we need to do and we get to do to get closer to God, which we'll get to that in a little bit. Go over to Psalm 37. This is interesting. Because one of these verses I've used a lot, and one of them I hadn't really paid attention to, but it, but it fits. Psalm 37. You all know this verse, Psalm 37 and verse 4, just simply says, Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And jump over to verse 40 of the same chapter, Psalm 37, 40. It says, The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So when you're stressed out about work and you're worried about your neighbor or you're worried about whatever or maybe you know something's happened to a vehicle or whatever and you've got all those things on your mind where do you go to find rest and refuge? It should be in God's word. Not a movie or a book or a game. Our first thought should be I'm going to read my Bible and get out of this mess. So let's go on. Um, Proverbs chapter 2. As far as some results of actually doing taking those things off. If I don't tear my mic off myself first. Hang on just a second. There we go. Proverbs chapter 2. Verse 6. Proverbs 2 verse 6. I had it and lost it. I'm going to read through verse 12. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. It says, The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and walking over the way of his saints. Then... This is the result. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil from men who perverted speech from men of perverted speech. So what, when we do that, when we immerse ourselves in God, 
It's in verse 9 it says, Then you will understand righteousness and justice and good and all those things. But see, if we turn to things that aren't God's word, we're not going to have righteousness. We're not going to understand what that is. We're not going to understand justice. We're not going to understand every good path. We're going to be confused. And you think about what people's lives are like today. They're lost and confused and scared and looking for an answer, but they don't know where to look because they're looking every place but the only place they should. My, I told you this before. Uh, I've got a very close family member who, from the time that I can remember, has always been an absolute mess. So I said to her a couple years ago, have you ever just considered religion? Have you ever considered just turning to the Bible? Her answer was, well, not traditional religion. So I'm like, well, at this point, what do you have to lose? You know, Lost and confused and scared. Because we, they aren't looking. But, you know, we can become, just like Shannon mentioned this morning, when we stop turning to this, we become more and more distant from God. We become more and more confused. We can become more and more bitter. We become more and more kind of separated from one another. And we don't have a family anymore. And this is a family. This is a family. That's why when somebody leaves it, there's a hole. This is a family. And we ought to treat it that way. And we ought to use each other the way we, we should use our family and come for help like Chana talked about this morning. When we're lost and scared, immerse yourself in the Word. Ask somebody to study with you. Ask somebody to read with you. Ask somebody, what's, you know, this is what's going on in my life. How do I do this? But you can't do that if you aren't willing to get in His Word and have the courage to do that. So we, those are the results. We see a whole list of things in there that I've told you about that are results of not immersing ourselves in God's Word. So I guess I'll ask you, you know, examine your life just for a moment. Okay, and ask yourselves, if that, are you immersing yourself? Are you turning to God for peace? Are you turning to God for that solstice that you need? Or do you turn to something else? And only you can answer that. But you need to answer it. So if we do that properly, it's really interesting when you study faith, what faith is supposed to do for us. If we are completely immersed in God's word and doing those things like he's asked us to do them, our faith does grow. But it's really cool the things the Bible says our faith should do for us. Um, first of all, just go over to Mark chapter 5 real quick because this is an interesting account. And I'm, I had never really considered this, but I, had to ask, I was reading through and I thought, I wonder if that's what my faith does for me. Mark 5, you all know this story. It's not a story, this historical account of Jesus and the woman that reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Do you remember that? Big crowd. And Jesus says, well, who touched me? And they're like, Jesus, there's a big old crowd around you. How, how, can you, how do you even know somebody touched you? Verse 33 says, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You know what I've never used that verse for? To ask myself, 
Have I told God the whole truth? Have I let Him make me well? Like He did her. You know, that's what He'll do. That all, and if we're, if we're in pain or in anguish about the world, He will make us well if we have the faith to do it. But we've got to go to Him with the whole truth. He are, but, but by the way, we talked about this within conjunction with Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 12 through 14 where it talks about that God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It will cut you open and expose everything about you. God already knows what you need. God already knows your weakness. He knows what's bothering you. He just needs you to tell him that you know that he knows and that he will heal you if your faith is what it should be. All right? So we need to be working on that. So let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Ask yourselves if your faith is doing this for you. Because if it's not, you can fix it. But this is kind of interesting. Because it should make us well. And it should guard us. Listen to this. First, First Peter. Um, I lost my place. First Peter chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power, now for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Is your faith guarding you for your salvation? Are you using your time in such a way that you're getting to know God so much that your faith can guard you against whatever the devil throws at you? That's what that verse is. It will guard you to your salvation. Your faith. Are you that close to God? Are you growing that close to God? Are you immersing yourself in your word so that your faith can grow that way? And if you don't feel like it is, just start. All right. Let's go look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And see, this is where it can start. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer shell is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So you see, we can renew our self, our belief, our faith every day by doing what we talked about at first, being immersed in God's word and talking to people who can help us and, and standing strong when we talk about other areas of life in a little bit but even when we suffer and we learn a lesson we grow closer to God and our faith grows <coughs> and it can guard us and it can make us well Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians 4 verse 20 remember this is all about redeeming our time folks this is all about using our time to do these things to help ourselves 
and to help other people. Ephesians 4 and verse 20. It says, But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put off, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're supposed to, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. And so what happens is if we don't do that, See, we feel like we grow further and further from God as we're growing further and further in people here. And if we aren't renewing our faith and our hope and, and what we know about God every day, then we start putting walls up and then we say, well, nobody cares and I just don't I don't feel any connection and, and things like that. And that can happen both ways. Because here's what can happen. I, you know, if, if I could go to a get-together and everybody here knows me. I would, and I'm guessing that you would think I'm an outgoing person. But if I go to a get-together and I sit down in a corner by myself with a scowl on my face, what are you going to do? Probably walk a big circle because there's something wrong. In fact, Evan on the way home the other day, I was just tired and I wasn't saying anything. And he asked me once, Dad, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine because we're, we're, we're coming back from the ballgame. I don't know what it was. Then he, he shut his, whatever he was doing off, he said, Dad, you've been my dad for 15 years. What's going on? <laughs> I was just, he, to me, to him, I was being too quiet. All I needed was a nap. And so, we know, folks, when we are the family here, we need to be, we'll be able to say that to each other. But if I, if I walked into that room and did that, you all, that would scare you all because that's not me. Now, hopefully someone would come over and kind of, he's got him here. What's going on? But you might not. And so, if you didn't come over to me, what would I, what, what, what could I start thinking? Well, they don't even care. Why do I even bother coming? And see, that's the way these things, when we aren't immersed in God's Word, and that's how these things happen. And it can happen to anybody at any time. I don't care how strong you think you are. It can happen. But we've got to guard against that. That's what our faith will guard it. I mean, you see how these things kind of keep overlapping? And so we keep going, and we keep working. So are you using your time? To renew your faith, are you using your time to make sure your faith is making you well? Are you using your time to guard your salvation? That takes constant, purposeful intent to make sure you are with God. Now I could raise, I could have y'all raise. How many, I could, I'm not going to, but I have to ask you all: How many of you do you think God wants to go to hell? And everybody would say, none of us. Why is it sometimes that we seem like we want to go there? By our attitudes and our actions? Why do we seem like we want to go when God's done everything He can to keep us out of that place? And He's given us all these tools to help us. So let's go to the, my third point. Is if you do these things, if you immerse yourselves and you allow that immersion to build your faith, you will get closer to God. Remember that verse, if you, if, you, if, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. We've talked about this before. The way that happens is, you get closer to God, you start thinking like God, 
and you start asking for what God would want for you, and you start living your life the way God wants you to live, and all of a sudden you're getting the desires of your heart. And I promise you it's not going to be about a bigger house, a nicer car, and more money. Because you're going to want the thing God wants. And that's how he gives you the desires of your heart. So if we're not doing those things the right way, that isn't going to happen. Let me read you something. I, I, I don't know if you've ever read this book or not. But I, it's, it's about a husband and wife relationship, but it's a relationship God wants with us. There's one little thing in it. It, it says fortunate accident. When you see fortunate accident, I'm going to read it. I disagree with that part because what's in this little quote is not a fortunate accident. It's purposeful. But let me read it. This is an old man talking to his daughter. It's out of a book called Captain Corelli's Mandolin. And I would say the author's name, but it's French and I can't. Okay? Literally. I don't know how to say it. This is his daughter. He's on his death, but he's talking to his daughter. It says, love itself is what's left over after being in love is burned away. Now, we teach our kids that, don't we? This is both an art and a fortunate accident. I already talked about that. Your mother and I had it. We had, now this is cool, we had roots that grew toward each other underground. I told you don't like being emotional, okay? And when the pretty blossoms had fallen from the branches, we discovered we were one tree and not two. When we start living our lives the way we should, we'll have that with our spouse. But do you understand God wants that with us too? God wants us to be one with Him. He doesn't want us to feel like we're separate from Him and He can never love Here's what people say, well, I'm just so bad God can never love me. Or I've just done so many things, God doesn't want me. How can anybody love me that much? I think Shannon hit on that this morning. I don't care what you think. God does love you that much. He wants you at your deathbed to realize, I'm not separate from God anymore. We're one. We're one. And the only way to do that is to let Him work. Do we Have we ever sang the song, Jesus, Draw Me Ever Nearer? I love that song. Jesus, Draw Me Ever Nearer. Well, if you don't think that can happen, why do we sing that song? Let me ask you, how can that happen? Well, maybe we can find out. Um, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, verse 19. How do we draw closer to God? Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, notice that word confidence, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through the flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean, from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know how we do that? By immersing ourselves in God's Word and growing our faith and knowing that God loves us enough that He says, 
you approach with confidence. All right. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We draw closer to God when we do the other two things. Immerse ourselves in God and let that grow our faith. We grow closer to God. Our roots become intertwined. Go over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Now it says, draw near to God, and draw, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to, to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So, in our study of Isaiah, we've talked about how the people turned away from God, but he really never left and that he always wanted them to turn back around to him see that's what he wants us to do he wants us to turn to him when we're sad he wants us to turn to him when we're hurt he wants us to turn to him when we're happy and when we want to share good he wants us to turn to him at all times because it's like we're walking along if we're not with God it's like he's walking around right behind us and then tapping us just turn around turn around I'm right here he wants us so no, he's close to us. But we just ignore him so many times. And go about living our lives just like the A has this morning. We so many times just do what we want to do. Instead of, instead of doing what we know for sure what God wants us to do. And we, we, we shortchange ourselves. We shortchange our brethren. We shortchange our families. We shortchange God. When we don't do what he knows we can do. When we just do what we want to do. Or we said, well, we can never do that. Okay, here's one. I was thinking about I didn't have this in the notes. Let me, here's what I've learned over the last 30 years. People see in you so much more than you see in yourself. So when somebody says to you, hey, you know what? I think you'd really be good at this. You ought to consider being, you know, serving in this way. Don't say, no, I can never do that. Like I was stupid. Sorry, I was ignorant enough to do. Stop and think about it a minute and examine that and say, you know what, maybe I can do that. Maybe maybe, maybe I can do that. Instead of saying, no, nah, I, yeah, I can never do that. God's plans for you are so much bigger than you have for yourselves. His hopes and dreams for you are so much bigger than what you have for yourself. Let Him work. Draw near to Him and let Him do it. But you only do that by redeeming your time and spending your time in His Word and finding out about Him and His will for your life. And what he wants for you and your family. And that doesn't come through Facebook or anything. It doesn't come through anything we turn to besides his word. Nothing. And, you know, I've even read, I've got, I think I've got five books going right now. All of them are pretty good. I've got one that uh, they smell like sheep. Somewhat about elders, about leadership. It's not just, but, but it's, it's, it's okay. I've been reading that one. And I'm reading one called My Wife Got For Me. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Interesting read. I'm reading one by Rush Limbaugh's brother. It's called uh, Jesus on Trial. It's kind of like Case for Christ, but his brother's a lawyer, and he approached this from a, like a, he's investigating it from a case. I'm reading all these books. I, don't, I put one down, I leave it a little while. I sometimes have to restart because I've forgotten what the book is about. 
But am I going to really get closer to God by reading those books? Certainly not if they're not based on His Word. But I'm not going to get close. I've got to spend more time in this book than I do in those. Now, they're interesting. The screw tape letters, if you've ever read that, that's interesting. But this, this book is the one we need to spend our time in. Not anything else. It just doesn't add value to our lives. Just go to Romans chapter 8 real quick. We've got, we've got lessons to learn. And when we learn them, we do get closer to God. But listen to this in Romans chapter 8 verse 12. says, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if uh, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Okay? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, now, we are all that, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Why do we have to suffer? That... That all sounds really cool until you get down there where it says, provided we suffer with him. Well, we suffer with him so we'll learn lessons. And we, I don't want to get, we can get a whole lesson about that. But understand that your suffering will teach you lessons that God wants you to know and you will get closer to God by learning those lessons. Instead of complaining, well, why me? Why did this happen to me? Learn a lesson from whatever happens to you. And then you can help somebody else get closer to God from the lesson you learn. Maybe you can save them some trouble. But let God work in your lives. We have to suffer with Him in order to be like Jesus. To be a child of God, we've got to suffer and learn those things. You know, we, we, we talked in, in Hebrews, we were studying the other night at Ruth. Because it talks about Jesus was made complete. Okay? By the things He suffered. That makes no sense to me. But think about that a minute. He left heaven to come down here to earth to be an intermediary for you and me. To go to God and say, I know what it feels like to suffer. I know what it feels like to be tempted. Well, how did he do that? He was born as a baby. He grew up in a house with flawed parents, just like my kids. Okay? He had to learn patience with them, just like my kids have to learn patience with me. He knew what it was like to be a teenager. Right? Then he became an adult and he knew what it was like for people to let him down, to turn their back on him, to stab him in the back, to be cruel to him. So when Jesus says, I will speak for you, can he do that now? Yeah, because he understood. He wouldn't have understood that if he hadn't come here and suffered the way he did. That's what that means. So when we suffer, we learn the same lessons he learned and then we can move on and get closer to God. So let's do that. Let's do that. And let's, let's not complain. Let's learn our lessons. So I, next, I guess, the next question is where are you in all this? 
You know, it's almost like that song, None of Self and All of Thee. I don't know what verse you're stuck in, but I'm probably somewhere in verse 2, maybe verse 3 some days, and then back to verse 2 because I keep, you know, growing and changing. Hopefully we're getting closer to God. But where are you in all this? Are you immersed in God's Word? Are you building your faith? Are you letting God's Word do that? Are you letting His lessons that He has in that Word do that? Or are you turning to other things for your solstice and your peace and your and your kind of relaxation? Where are you turning? And so when we so I guess my you know in terms of invitation, what I want you to do is think about where you are in all this this process and think about where you need to start working. Have you even started? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? Can you go to God and say? Hey, I need you to help me because I'm suffering this. Well, if you if you aren't his child, he can't. So that's the first thing you got to think about. By as look around the room, that's not a huge issue in this room. The huge issue in this room is have we come, have we become complacent and forgotten where we are and who we are and where we've come from? Have we have do we kind of like we talked about this morning? Do we take it for granted that, that God is and you know He's just kind of there and He's a big ball of love and He's going to forgive me no matter what I do kind of thing? Almost you know. Where are you? What have you let life do to you? And we're all on that. And we're all somewhere in a, that mess somewhere. Okay. Well, here's. I want you to think about for a minute. Think about your strengths. Okay. Think about what you know you're good at. What you do know about God, and hold on to those things really, really tight. And I want you to take some time and think about some things you need to grow in. What's something you want to learn about? What's something you want to do better at? And then latch onto that too and really grow in that area. And that's how you're going to get closer to God. You can't just ignore your weaknesses. You can't ignore the things you think you're not good at. You can't ignore maybe things you know you've got problems with. So let's let's start there. And if you do, you know, you, you all, I, I know all of you know the plan of salvation. You know, you, you've heard the word. You've heard some of it tonight. You know you've got to hear it, and you've got to decide whether you believe it or not. And if you believe that Jesus is, then you've got to confess him as your king. And you repent. See, when you, we repent, what we do is turn towards God and say we're never going back the other way. Do that. All of us need to do that at times. And if you haven't been baptized, and you'd be baptized for the remission of your sins. And as we talk about every every time somebody's up here, after we do all that, that's that's just the beginning. We got to live lives of faithfulness. And see, that's where I think in this group we got to work. We got to be honest with ourselves and go to God and tell the whole truth to live lives of faithfulness to Him. We got to be willing to go to God and say, God, I flubbed up. Forgive me and help me take the next step, whatever that next step is. So think about these things and uh, consider the lessons we can learn from it. And um, maybe we can grow a little closer to God and become the family here He wants us to be. Love each other and help each other get to heaven. Right, thank you.